Good morning. We have new speakers, can you tell? Woohoo, sound is so much clearer. I want to welcome you to worship this morning. I'm Pastor Lisa. And if you'll please stand with us and join in worship by singing a hymn. <laughs> They'll know we are Christians. So if you'll remain standing, I want to fess up. That was totally my fault. <laughs> I got so excited about singing, because you know that's my favorite part, that I forgot the call to worship. So JD, thank you. <laughs> if you'll join me in the call to worship. Here we have gathered as God's people inspired by the Spirit. To speak more truthfully, to live more peacefully. To pray more seriously, to worship more enthusiastically. To give more generously, to serve more compassionately. To worship in unity. Amen. And now we'll do the invocation prayer. See, I totally messed this up. <laughs> Thank you, JD. If we'll do this together. You have brought us, O oh God, to another Lord's Day when we are privileged to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we have unity of mind and heart as we open ourselves to the movement of your Holy Spirit. As your love grows within us, May we have rich fellowship with you and with one another. In Christ's name, amen. Now you may be seated. 
So our PEGS this morning, um, our little acronym, the, the Pray, Engage, Give, and Serve, to remind us what we all do as part of the Christian family, is really a celebration. We traditionally, on the fifth Sunday of every month that there is a fifth Sunday, um, ask you to, to give to the children's home. These are kids who would not have family, would not have any support system if it were not for this home. These are kids who um, are really in need. But today I want to, as well as ask you, because I'm not going to give up that opportunity to give, I want to celebrate with you. Our golf auction faced some real challenges this year. We had to pick a different date. We had a different venue. But that committee really just, man, they came through. They were so excited to serve and so excited to get things done. They raised $46,800, right? Incredible. So make sure if you see Carolyn or Lucy or Arida, any of the volunteers that really helped with that, if you were a golfer, if you prayed for us, whatever you did, celebrate your part in that, um, that we were able to do this for the children's home. I would like to invite Mr. Brim to lead us in some special choir music. I'm on track now, yes. <laughs> Good morning. I am Pastor Peyton, and I was enjoying the music so much over there, I didn't realize we were at the end. We come to a time in our worship that we get an opportunity to sit at the foot of the cross, to quiet our souls, and to spend some time in the presence of our Lord in conversation. So with that heart, let's bow our heads and take a deep breath. And become present. 
O Lord our God, as we sit in quietness in our thoughts, we are wrestling with doubts and fears, we look for answers, and we hope against all hope. We seek strength, and we are hungry. We're hungry for warm sunshine, to heal our bodies and rest from the tears that we have shed. Your word tells us that the hungry will be filled, and we ask today that you fill us, O Lord. Fill us with the breath of life, with thankful hearts. Fill us with the calmness and courage and the knowledge of your presence. Hear our hearts, O God. Hear our prayers that we have inside. Hear each of us as we lift up those that are close to us silently to you now. Father, today is a day that we lift up those who have given their lives for our country and our freedom. Today is a day that we remember those who have served for our world. Father, today we also lift up the families of the children and the teachers in Uvalde. Father, we lift up those who were caught in the crossfire in Buffalo. We remember things that have happened before and the memories that come back when tragedy happens in our world. And we remember Columbine. We remember MSD. We remember other shootings in churches and places that are supposed to be safe. Father God, we throw ourselves at your feet and we mourn. Lord, we pray that there is never a life lost without notice. It's not just something that happens and we continue. We remember each life given and each family. We lay these burdens and our sorrow at your feet, and Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your peace and comfort. Lord, let us lead in your ways. We pray that your children would be safe, that our communities would be a place of peace, and we pray for your love and light to be present in all that we know. Lord, we pray for your kingdom and your glory to fill us today. Hear us as we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
You may be seated. The scripture this morning is from John 17, and I'm reading from the Common English Bible Version. It's John 17, 20 through 26. I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am. Then they can see my glory, which you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even the world didn't know you, but I've known you, and these believers know that you sent me. I've made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that your love for me will be in them and I myself will be in them. Amen. Father God, we ask that you open our hearts, open our minds, help us to see this piece of scripture with new light, 
And then help us to, to believe and to act on that belief in how we live out our daily lives. Amen. So when I picked this, um, this scripture, Unity in Christ, I thought, oh man, that's a tall order. This world is, is pretty crazy, right? It's something to be wrestled with. It's not, though, a matter of agreeing with everything. Um, and it's not in a sense of that we all have to be identical, that we're, we're all the same. We're still a very diverse body. And so how are we to be united? So the passage is set in the section of John um, where John is giving an account of Jesus' farewell encounter with his disciples. It begins in chapter 13. If you haven't had a chance to, recent, to read it recently, please do. It, 13 to 17. And he's at the last meal, and he's sharing with his disciples before Passover. So he begins to instruct them and inform them about what's coming up. And he explains all kinds of things to them. I'm sure they were completely overwhelmed. He explains having a servant posture by showing them the washing of the feet. You all probably remember that story, right? He tells them about a betrayal, a friend, a follower, who's going to turn on Jesus for a handful of coins. He shares with them about Peter's coming denial. Three times he'll deny him before the rooster crows. He explains who the father is and his own preparation for them in the father's house. He tells them about a gift, the one to come, the advocate, the comforter, the companion, the Holy Spirit. He offers them his peace, a peace like no other. And he asks them to love each other as he has loved them with a complete sacrificial love. He even warns them about hatred and death. And he lets them know that he's conquered even death. And though he makes it clear when he prays at the, the tomb of Lazarus, you might remember, that he doesn't need to express his prayer out loud because of his oneness with God. But he does it for the benefit of everybody around him because they need to hear it. And he does that now. He prays this prayer. It's called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. It has three main sections. He starts out with praying for himself. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that the son can glorify you. And he goes on. And then he starts praying for his disciples. He calls them the people you gave me. I love the image of that. They are the people that you entrusted to my care. Father, watch over them in your name, the name you gave me, that they will be one just as we are one. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So he prays for their success. And finally, at the close of the prayer, today's passage, he turns to those who would then hear the disciples and so believe. So they listen and they believe. Those he has not even met yet. Those who believe in me because of their word. In other words, all of us, all the future followers. He asks that they might be made holy in truth. This is a work in progress, right? I don't know about you guys. I shouldn't speak for you. I am not holy yet. 
working on it. <laughs> As John Wesley would say, working toward Christian perfection. Work in progress. But in addition, he prays that they'll be included in the unity of the Father and the Son. When they are, the world will see and then believe that Jesus was truly sent by God. So they're the witnesses. And through this chain of witnesses, we're in that chain, right? We're one of the links. The world will see that in sending Jesus, God was showing his love for them. And that the love that God has for them is equal to his love for Jesus. Can you think about that? Can you imagine that? In spite of ourselves, in spite of our sinfulness, God's love for us is equal to his love for Jesus. To them, Jesus revealed the name of the Father, and he'll continue to reveal it. And as he makes known who God is, he passes on God's love to his followers by giving them his very self. The loving relationship Jesus shares with his Father widens. It starts to include all those who believe in him, and eventually the whole world. In John's Gospel, he focuses on the work of Jesus as the work to gather people in. He uses that shepherd imagery, right? And to save them and to unite them as one. In the opposite of that oneness, um, usually like if you hear unity, you think disunity, right? But the opposite of this oneness is distance from God or scattering. So instead of gathering in, it's scattering out. It's not um, disagreeing. It's not disagreement over differences. It's scattered and away from God, losing that relationship, losing that touch with God. But it's often the minor differences that kind of keep us from being truly one. Can I get an amen on that, right? We're quick to defend our positions on points of politics, doctrine, practice, what color the sky is today. You know, we're, we are immersed in all of our differences. But the relationship between Jesus and the Father reveals that what matters more is not our position, the position we hold, but it's our posture. For Jesus, it's the posture of the Father toward him and from him toward the Father that gives us that model as Jesus' followers. It's the posture of glorifying each other and love. We're never to be about the business of glorifying ourselves or our churches or our politics or our doctrine or our position. You get it. But we are called to be a community that always reflects God's glory and love revealed in Jesus. When we make up the body of Christ, we begin to focus on that glory. The path to unity and true oneness becomes clearer for us. It becomes easier because love comes first. And how is the glory best revealed? It's made known through our love for God and for one another. He says, I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is Jesus' prayer for us. This is similar to what he says in 1512. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
And notice that whole chain. Again, we've got a chain of witnesses and we've got a chain of love. They've listened and they believe and now they need to act. The Father gives his love to Jesus. Jesus gives it to us and we give it to one another. These are the people God has entrusted to your care. Love isn't something that we provide from within us. It's a gift given to us, passed on to us. We are blessed to be a blessing. It is given to us by God in a way that is just unfathomable. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. It's just by God's grace. And we reveal the love and the glory of God when we love one another in the way Jesus loved us. Love in spite of our sin. Love regardless of our positions. Love without attention paid to those minor differences. Jesus invites us to form a new attitude, a new posture, centered on reflecting the glory of God through our love for God and for one another. We are the continuing incarnation of Christ in the world. Philippians 2, 5, 11 says, Adopt the attitude that was in Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names. So at the name of Jesus, everyone on heaven, on earth, and under the earth might bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what we hear. This is what we believe. This is why we act. Because of what was done for us, we must be and do for others in gratitude. We are to be, as Martin Luther would say, little Christs. We heard that phrase in our disciple class this week. He was fond of calling us little Christs. We're to be available and vulnerable, and we're to serve and care for one another in humility and with great appreciation. We have to empty ourselves of all of the attitudes that get in our way, our pride, our ego, whatever it is. Empty ourselves of anything that stands in the way of sharing God's love through us. Unity comes down from the Father and the Son to us, to the believers. And our challenge is that our unity, our love, has to be visible enough that the world will believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. This unity is unique because it's grounded in one God and one Lord. It's grounded in a love gifted to us, again, through nothing we've done. And the other thing is we don't have to admire the love for the Father and Son and the Son to the Father from a distance because Jesus gave us access. God has the same love for us, for the whole world, for his creation. We're given the opportunity to make a difference. We're able to provide living proof that God is gracious and loving, and that Jesus is who he says he is, Savior, Redeemer, Love. 
we do that in the way we treat each other? Do we welcome all into our worship? Do we focus on our common goals instead of our differences? Do we lift a hand when help is needed? Do we care for those outside of our walls as well as in our building? I've met people, and I'm sure you have too, who loudly share their opinions. Um, The ones who have no regard for who they're speaking to, they're really speaking at you. And they're usually shouting, they're usually loud and yelling. Um, I don't know about you, I had a stepfather who was a yeller. And so if you yell at me, it's not that I'm not hearing you, it's I can't hear you. Because my brain just goes, done. Yelling at somebody is never going to change their mind. That's not what unity looks like. That's not what it takes to lead. The unity, the oneness that Christ calls us to, and, and more than that, prays for us to come into, to receive, is a lesson in humility. It's not a rallying cry in anger or frustration. It's the woman who quietly delivers a meal to a friend after a surgery. It's the person who, week after week, provides food for school kids and families without anyone even knowing she does it. It's the mechanic who fixes the car on the side of the road for a stranger who's stranded and says, don't worry about it. It's the people who defy common wisdom and give generously. My own daughter is like this, Amanda. I have to say her name because she seldom gets to be the good example. She'll appreciate it. She is that kind of person who would give you the last dollar out of her pocket. And if you say to her, but Amanda, how will you get lunch? She'll say, they need it more than I do. That's the kind of person she is. It's that kind of love, that kind of humble love. It's the children who set up a lemonade stand to be able to donate food to a pet shelter. It's those kinds of stories. And you have your own. You've probably done some of them, right? You've seen these people, the ones who love and love and love. That's the unity that we're called to. We've listened, we've believed, and we act in love. I think you'll agree if, if you think of love personified, Mother Teresa pops in your head, right? That you can't really argue with her being love personified. And she's credited with saying, if you're a kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people will try to cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous of you. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten by tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have. It may never be enough, but give your best anyway. That's the kind of love we're called to. In the, in the face of all the cynicism, in the face of all our own quirks, in the face of our very misguided world, that's the kind of love that we're called to. Show the world the love of God. You've listened, you believe, you act. So what, what one thing do you think you could do today to show the world how appreciative you are to be part of the love of the Father? 
I immediately it came to mind, have you seen that Kind Bar commercial? There's a woman at an airport and it's a kind bar, and you know, if she takes this and eats this, she's going to be able to save the world and farm and feed all the children kind of thing. And she, in her head, is saying, but I don't know anything about farming. But then you see her get up to move so that a woman can have the seat. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't have to save the world, but you can be kind, right? So what is the one thing that you can do today, tomorrow, the next day, to show the world the love of the Father because of what Jesus has done for you. Amen? I want to close with this prayer. Jesus once prayed in this way. I have made your name known to them, Lord, and I will continue to make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and so that I may be in them. God of all wisdom, Open our hearts and minds to your name, to your mercy, so that we can finally acknowledge that all along you have loved us. May we be warmed and empowered by your love. But first, teach us to know you through listening to your words spoken and modeled by Jesus. He is always with us to teach and to guide us. Lord, may we know your name. Amen. If you'll please stand and join the blessed be the tie that binds. Hear this benediction as you go forth. You have brought us, O oh God, to another Lord's Day. And we so appreciate what you've done for us. The world does not know you. But all of us in this place have heard your word proclaimed. We may not completely agree with each other, but we are unified in our belief in you. May we leave this safe haven and go out to tell others of our unity through Christ, your beloved Son, 
We listen, we believe, and we love. Amen.